0: everyone how it hides in
1: us hello and welcome to the theological family ministry podcast a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders we are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth as always we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. And Tony Trusoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland.
2: Uh so Ben, how are the Braves dealing with the season wrapping up? Well, they uh they wrapped up the division this weekend and uh, we'll see how they do. Um a little, little leery, but you know, they're ahead of you about a year ahead of schedule of what they thought, so uh, it's kind of all gravy at this point. So the Orioles, are they? Uh, how are they doing? Uh, they are in dead last. But the fortunate thing is,
0: they were on pace at one point for the worst record in. I think 40 years, uh, and no longer they're on pace for that. They're no longer going to be worse than, I think it was the Mets, like 13 years ago, that were the one of the most insanely terrible teams in baseball history. Uh, they're no longer on pace for that, and uh, Chris uh, Davis is uh, no longer on pace to be the worst player in baseball history for a single season he's in i think on pace to be in the top 20 bottom 20 worst single seasons in mlb history but to be honest with you as a little more boring when he's just in the bottom 20 rather than the single worst baseball season ever
2: yeah that's not nearly as dramatic so i mean you gotta have something to you know hang on to (laughs) Uh
0: we're still paying him 20 plus million dollars a year to play like garbage though
2: Man, I think I could get paid twenty million and and hit under two hundred. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I
2: mean, I don't know if I could get over a hundred, but you know, maybe I could throw out a bun every then, now and then. You
0: know, <clears throat> sometimes the Orioles season and how poorly they're doing it really tempts me to uh, to really sin in my
2: attitude. Would you Would you imagine that? I I could see that happening. I, I could see that happening. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good bridge to our conversation today, um, and actually, you know, a good uh, follow-up. We had an interview with uh, a biblical counselor, and we talked about dealing with sin in our lives and helping our kids and the the, the young people that we're ministering to. So, I think that this is a good uh, connection to that episode. So, if uh, I think our listeners will definitely want to make sure that they listen to that. Um, but Tony, you know, as we we start looking at at this topic it's it's a word that appears all over the bible what is sin and what all does it in- include
0: yeah so there are a lot of good definitions of sin uh, we have been teaching our children the Norse Star Catechism. Uh, what we used to call from a previous church the Norse Star Points. Uh, and the Norse Star Catechism's definition of sin, if you ask the question to your child, uh, our kids would answer, Sin is saying no to God and doing what we want instead of what God wants. And they'd say it a little, a little hot spot down there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a pretty good definition. Maybe not 100% perfect. Uh one definition of sin, I mean, can be rooted in the nature of the word. Uh literally the the word sin as most often translated in the Greek uh in the New Testament is a archery term, uh, referring to missing the mark, uh missing the target in archery. And so I think in a very real way, sin is failing to hit the mark of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. I think another catechism rightly said that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think sin is any time we fail to hit that target perfectly in any small or significant ways. Uh, I think also one can add to that that sin is a rebellion. It's not just an act that we commit against other people, but it's rebelling against our Maker.
2: Yeah, that is a uh, it's a wide-reaching thing. It's you, you know, I know in First John it talks about sin as lawlessness, but that's not intending to be the only explanation of sin. I think you really did cover that well. That it, it's a very broad concept, and, and the offense of it is, is broad. So, do you think that it gets taught and explained that way to kids and youth regularly? I mean, I don't think so. Uh,
0: I think oftentimes sin in many kids' curriculums and many even VBSs, for example, it might be taught is more of a no-no, you know, that uh, bre- uh, uh, breaking a rule uh, than it's breaking God's heart. Uh, and I think the another, one way in youth ministry, as you know, I've been teaching a lot with our youth lately, uh, I think sometimes uh, sin is taught... And youth as, you know, you don't do those really, really bad sins. So uh, in youth ministry, unfortunately, sometimes we teach it as, well, there's really, really bad sins and don't worry about the, you know, the less significant sins. But just stay away from sleeping with people outside of marriage
2: and stuff like that. That's right. Don't swear, drink or chew or run with the girls that do. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen that in different um teaching i've heard and in lesson material um it doesn't i don't think pulls the gravity of sin and just how far reaching it is it's just sort of a you know you didn't do this you you should have done or you know those kinds of things um very behavioral often which it certainly includes behavior but it's not only that so what are some examples of of inadequate teaching on sin maybe that you've encountered or maybe you've done yourself i don't know uh uh-huh. Yeah, um,
0: I think one very inadequate inac- uh, teaching of sin was one that I referred to actually in the intro podcast so, almost two years ago. I one of the reasons we actually started a lot of this was a response to some really bad teachings in children's ministry, uh, and I one teaching that really stuck out to me was I remember that there was a teaching on uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, the, a lesson of Zacchaeus for much, uh, popular children's curriculum in our area. And it said, uh, the, and it said to teach the kids, even though they do wrong things sometimes, that God will forgive them if they do more good than bad. And, uh, I think that is a really, really inadequate teaching on sin and doesn't take, uh, sin seriously. I think also an inadequate teaching on sin is to teach sin as, oh, I made, you made a mistake that, uh, it was an, uh-oh, an oops. Uh, the But I think further, uh, related to youth again, I mean, teaching on bad sins only, I think that is, rather than teaching on the s- types of sins that we fight and fall against each and every day, like Jesus taught against.
2: Mm. That's helpful. Yeah, the, the oops mentality, and it's not seen as this rebellion against God. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> So why do you think that this is so common and, and so prevalent in, in, with children, with students, with the way parents talk to their kids about it? Um, where do you think that comes from?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I'll, I'll be very simple and short in my answer, cause, and I think you'll, you'll flesh this out a little bit more. Uh, but we want to think that we're not so bad. I think that is in a very simple way as why we have such an, a common unbiblical teaching on this.
2: Yeah, I think that's at the heart of a lot of it. Um, we don't want to agree with what God says about us. Um, and, you know, we live in a culture where the, you know, making someone feel bad about themselves is like one of the worst things that you could do that you would question something about them. And, um, Sometimes I think it's just ignorance of the Bible, or not taking it seriously enough, and we don't see our fallenness as as fallen as it is, as corrupt as it is, and so, um, and that just ties in with what you were saying. So, you know, related to that, won't teaching kids about their own, not just sin in general, but their own personal sin, won't it make them feel bad about themselves? Maybe have low self esteem.
0: <laughs> Maybe in some small sense, I think really it will make them realistic. It will make them realize that yeah, we are bad, and that's a term you know we don't use that often uh, in teaching children. But sin means we are bad. It's just true, and we have to accept that. Um, the and it won't make them so self-consumed. I think. I think when they don't think that they're uh, they're so incredibly amazing and flawless they will be a little less self-obsessed and less self-consumed. Um, they, so I think, yes, I guess it will lower their their self-esteem. But to be honest, I think our culture idolizes self-esteem, and maybe it could be taken down a peg.
2: <laughs> you think so? A um, little bit. Well, you know, you told me that your, uh, your youth group is, for the first time in a while, going to have um, – you know, praise band or, you know, uh, musicians who are helping to lead in musical worship. And uh, so, I mean, could you guys do, like, I'm bad for Michael Jackson? Or, (laughs) you know, because you said you didn't want them to do, like, only these happy, happy songs. So I I think
0: that would be a really good one to sing. So, especially with, uh, and, you know, we could do Thriller to do some other uh, ones because this is going to be posted near
2: Halloween. So (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. Tony, why, if sin is, we have kind of defined what it is problems and problems and how it's presented, why is teaching young people and even adults about sin and its scope and its uh, depth, why is that so important? I actually really
0: thought of Martin Luther in this. Um, the, I don't know if you know uh, Martin Luther's story before he really discovered grace, but was he known for being really soft in his sin, would you say? being soft
2: in his sin. Yeah. Soft on his sin. Like he didn't, do you think he acted like his sin was no big deal at all? No. I mean, from what I know, he was uh, tormented in his soul with his own sin.
0: Yeah. And it was so much so that actually a lot of other monks that were around him, uh, mocked him and they despised him because they thought he was so much more holy than we all are. And yet he's being this hard on himself. Imagine what he thinks about us. Basically, uh, (laughs) and i think luther's realization of the depths of his sin was part and partial it was key really to him realizing the depths of grace uh that only because luther saw his sin as as bad as it really is was he ever able to see why we need uh that amazing grace that is only found in christ rather than in us picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps uh the uh so i think ultimately you know when we see ourselves as little sinners we will see us as having a little savior rather than having rather than seeing the impact and the depth of salvation that is provided by the blood of christ um and you know i think it's it's fascinating because we and today, I think, are having more of a comeback of gospel centrality in some ways similar to the Reformation time. And I think maybe to some degree, the reason why there was such a falling away uh, to some degree with some uh, among some groups in past generations as be- uh, towards a kind of plagianism uh, was because we didn't emphasize sin. That, and because we don't empathize how bad sin is, instead, uh, some movements and some evangelists at times often have kind of made it, oh, you can pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can get over sin on your own because just failing to realize just how
2: bad sin really is. It's a great answer. I love what you said about You know, seeing our having little sin leads us to see us having a little savior. Um, I want to use that. But uh, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. And I, we're talking about Luther. Um, he said something to the effect of you know, when he realized that the righteousness that God required that he wasn't living up to, that was a gift to him from Christ, and it was like the gates of paradise were open to him. Um, so, Tony, can someone be saved and made right with God if they don't really have a grasp on sin in general? Um, yeah, I mean, do, do you think – what do you think about that? Oh, definitely not. Absolutely not.
0: You know, the, uh, I don't think the good news makes any sense. The gospel is literally the good news, and I don't think it makes literally any sense at all if it wasn't for the bad news. Uh, that, you know, I, for example, I mean, if you were to give kind of an illustration, if uh, somebody was drowning, uh, and, uh, they needed to be rescued, they needed somebody to come in and, uh, pull them out, in no sense uh, could they possibly be saved if they refuse to admit that they're drowning and think that they're fine where they're at.
2: Yeah, I, I was on Facebook earlier, and, and someone um, whose family, some family goes to our church, uh, he just celebrated a year of sobriety. And he made a post, and he didn't even realize how, how big a, of a pit he was in. Um, but then when he did realize it, then he sought help, and he's you know seen God's grace in it. Um you know, sin in general—that that concept is, is necessary. So, what if someone they understand sin um, in the big picture, but as far as their own personal sin, they have sh- trouble really telling you their own sin, their own um, areas of struggle. Do you think that person uh, has saving faith? If they they profess it, but they don't, they can't really tell you in the the concrete how they're a sinner.
0: That's a really fascinating question. And I think thought, thought provoking. You know, people have a tendency of being really, really, really inconsistent. And there are a lot of people that will say, I mean, statistically even, that humanity is bad and does bad things. But will still believe that, basically, they're more good than most people. (laughs) They're better than most people. Uh, And so they don't apply that reality themselves. And uh, I even remember a case that there there was a baptism interview uh, that I did with somebody. And, you know, and this person, this child, child affirmed that everybody, we're all sinners, but they didn't see sin in their own life. And so, you know, in a sense, they understood it as kind of a vague reality, but nothing that was personal to themselves. And so, no, I don't think that you can be saved. I think part of having the Holy Spirit within you is realizing the depths of your sin and and fighting against it. And if you don't see that sin there, that you're blind and your eyes have not been opened through new birth.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think that's an insightful answer. Uh, I've dealt with that a number of times talking to people and yeah they would agree that that sin is out there and that we are sinners um but they had a lot more trouble explaining oh yeah and this is how i've sinned and this is a pattern for me uh, i know an old professor of ours used to say that it, you know it's easy to admit that you're a sinner in general but it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult to admit i'm a sin- sinner in these particular ways you know in the in the Okay, it's not so uncomfortable because we can say, "Eh, yeah, you know, we all have some issues, but um, it takes a lot more humility. And I think the Holy Spirit shining the light in in us um, to to bring out those specific ways. So, what are some helpful ways for church leaders and volunteers, people who are teaching at church um, or ministering in different capacities, how can they regularly help young people, youth, children? to confront their own sin as they go about ministering to them. Uh, so, I want to talk first about youth uh,
0: and how it pertains youth. And I think this is pro- principle is less true about teaching children. Uh, I think f- with the youth, I think Authenticity is so important, and I think it's if we want to teach people to fight against our, their sin, we have to be willing to be open up open up about how we've fallen into sin. You know, it would be incredibly foolish for any youth leader to give details of their sexual escapades, uh, for example. Uh, but I think to you know teach about when you when you sinned and when you bought into a lie and failed to evangelize her, or, or I mean when you failed to really love your wife uh, in, in a really and a way. Way that can is helpful for them without giving them unnecessary details uh, I think it shows them that you know sin is a very personal thing that they that they battle against and that you battle against uh, I think also give specific, with children and youth, I think we have a tendency, again, to focus on the big picture sins, uh, rather than to see sins as something that is small and everyday, you know, to talk about, I, I remember uh, some of the best application of a sermon I ever heard, uh, in terms of how the sermon comes to life in our life, was uh, Alistair Bag was preaching on something, and I don't remember what it was, and, and he talked about how that impacts how you what you do with your cart, well, a cart after you've put your groceries into your car. And he kind of suggested, you know, that having an attitude where it doesn't, where the person that puts the carts away doesn't matter is a sinful attitude. And I think giving that kind of very... Uh, the regular everyday application of sin as a way, I think, to make it more real uh, to them. I think also to give an urgency to the battle against sin, because we sometimes don't. Uh, We know that we battle sin, but we don't act like this is an urgent everyday battle that we get swallowed into
2: sometimes. That's good. Now, for our Southern listeners, the cart that he was referring to, that's a buggy down here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now, funny story, when we... you know, I'd gotten used to calling it a cart because my wife is not from the south. And we were, I mean, we were sort of on the border of the south in, in Kentucky, but uh, we called it a cart. And so when we first moved here, there was, we were in the store with our kids and I was with, with my girls and I was trying to tell my oldest daughter, I was like, oh, watch out for the, and it just kind of, I guess we'd been here for a while and it just was in me. And she goes, what's a buggy? <laughs> but, <clears throat> so how about you know you you gave a, an excellent illustration um or or explanation with youth um with kids though what what are some some other ways you think that that are helpful because you I mean you have kids yourself and in your previous role you had more direct or more time teaching them um uh, what are some ways to help them confront their own sin
0: Yeah I think again we talk about it I think one very uh, specific way I've seen a teacher that w- worked with me do it was uh, they led a prayer time and uh, they went through the acts prayer with kids. And they asked kids to, in a way that was appropriate, uh, to do confession of sin and and that kind of personal opening up way. And it, they were surprised. They're caught off guard, but I think it was a really, really good thing. Uh, but w- what ways do you try to do this?
2: I, I try to regularly just bring it to the front and, and define kind of what sin is. And a lot of times, when I t- talk about sin and repentance, um, I'll use the illustration. I I'll do this with adults as well. But that you know, we come into this world and we're wanting to go one direction. I'll point towards one wall, and we're just you know going, marching, running in that direction. And then God tells us to repent. And so um, when we do that, we by definition our back is now towards the sin it was towards god now it's towards the sin but there's something there that it's pulling our attention back over towards that wall and we keep looking or we may even just turn and stop and uh but jesus is pulling us back so i mean i guess that's more repentance but it's helping them see it is away from god um and then trying to Use some different illustrations or, or different um, application points of things that I think they're going to deal with, um, and just being specific in that. You know, you can't ever hit everything everybody's dealing with, um, but just throwing out some real life. And I mean, a lot of that comes to just dealing with my own children. So related to that, I mean, you know, you've got people who are teaching Bible lessons at church, but the the life of parents is hopefully going to involve some of that formal teaching and a lot of informal teaching. But just as they go about life, how can they help their kids confront their own sin? Yeah. Uh,
0: So I remember when I was in ethics class at Southern Seminary under Dr. Russell Moore, and he mentioned that he interacted with a uh, woman Methodist pastor one time. And this uh, Methodist pastor, she said that uh, uh, her, her son never sins. Uh, her son, that was <laughs> I think seven years old at the time, and uh, and and that his name is Jesus. Absolutely insane, and especially as a parent, I wasn't a parent then, but just seeing how any parent that would say that about their child is absolutely bonkers. Uh, We see our kids sin more than anybody else does. Parents in here, you guys see your kids sin way more than your children, youth pastors, your family pastors, your senior pastors see your kids sin. Um, And not just in terms of like disobedience, fighting with their brother and sister, but uh, you see your kids uh, fall into things like uh, being overcome by fear and not believing the truths of God's promises and things like this. Uh, And so you have to... Parents have to get this and have to be equipped and ready to teach their kids about sin. Because if they, if the parents don't do this, they're going to have an incomplete. Children and youth will have an incomplete teaching on this from somebody that just doesn't see them do it as much. I mean, the reality is, even in my youth group, you know, there are youth that will probably hide sin from me. You know, I won't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are children, your children's ministry that hide, hide their sin from uh, you. They're not hide them from mom and dad. I can tell you that. <laughs> much, right? No, uh, but I think very practically. I mean, teach them through discipline uh, and teach them about the nature of sin and its sin's consequences, rather than just spanking little Johnny for uh, hitting his brother or sister uh, with a Lego. Uh, instead, explaining why why that sin, how that's rebellion against God, and but what Jesus did for sin. Uh, I think also. Uh, we re- also use the fighter verses in our family worship sometimes And we do a lot of fighter verses here at our church, which is a uh, resource of Bible verses to memorize for children uh, and that a really helpful resource, I think from children desiring God. And uh, the principle why they're called fighter verses is basically their verse is to fight against fight the good fight of faith and fight against sin. And through memorizing these verses, you can use those as ammunition against your fight against sin. Uh, and so we, I think stress teaching Bible
2: verses. The points that you brought out, bringing Scripture in, in, in a variety of ways. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I know my kids, uh, um, they do things at home, and just around us, or maybe around the grandparents, that they would not dream of, of doing in public, or not to the extent. Um, and so, I mean, I'm thankful that they, they don't, but um, at the same time... <laughs> Um, that, you know, even at a young age, they learn to hide and and they feel most comfortable and safest around us. And so they're going to do things. uh, And I mean, even you see this with adults, the way spouses talk to each other or things like that. They'll do things when other people aren't looking that they would not want to do. They would not want anyone else to see. Um, And so I think that is uh, so true that, that parents need to have, a really solid understanding of human nature, fallen human nature, and, and what sin is, so they can adequately treat their child's problem. You know, uh, Johnny doesn't just lie. Johnny lies because <laughs> deceit is down in his heart, and, um, and, and so you want to properly diagnose uh, his, his issue. How can we help? So we've talked about recognizing the sin and helping the kids to confront it, but how can we help them in turning away from their sin? I mean, you kind of touched on this with issues with the Bible, but you can use the Bible just to expose the problem. Um, What else is there as far as resources for helping them to to repent? Yeah, so um,
0: there's a really good Sovereign Grace Music kids, kids CD called Theology. I really love it, and I really like the book that it's based on as well. Uh, not theology, theology, and in it there's a song called "Sin Is the Scariest Thing of All," uh, and it's uh, kind of spooky, Halloweeny, which again is appropriate for this ton- uh, to, for this podcast. Uh, and in it, it tries to use an understanding of the scariness and the wickedness of sin to help uh, help children and children to stay away from it don't do it to run away from sin to see it as something that they don't want something that is against even their best interest and i think that i really like the model in that uh, but beyond that i think we as parents as well as children and youth workers one hugely important way is to pray with them you know and i think we can act like this is simple but it's profound. Uh, we pray with them to help them battle against it. We stop as they're fighting against sin, as they're overcome by sin, and pray with them uh, that they remember the truth of who God is. Because uh, every sin is buying into a lie, and that they remember the truth rather than buying into the lie. Um, I think we uh, mentioned the fighter verses. We can memorize this stuff together and show how, given examples of how uh, bringing Bible verses to mind has helped us in our battle against sin as we teach our children and youth to do the same thing. Uh, But I think another one, and this is kind of really directly uh, taken from Scripture, Scripture's commands about parenting, uh, be patient with your children and youth as they sin. Don't exasperate them. Uh, we can be sometimes far too hard on our children and youth sin more than we are on our own sin. And realize that you know you cannot be their Holy Spirit. Uh, you can teach them truth, but you can't be their Holy Spirit. And you cannot be their just ju- their their great cosmic
2: judge like you sometimes want to be. <laughs> Those are all helpful. Uh, and that's that's true of a pretty young kid or of a 17-year-old. Um, and so, I, yeah, I know just talking about sometimes with our kids – we understand the struggle like you don't want to present yourself on your high and mighty moral horse you know like i can't believe that you did this um because probably when we were kids we did it and even if we didn't do that exact thing or that this wasn't a particular area of struggle um, we're still sinners and so just approaching them in humility uh, but when you do know what the struggle is like talking about that and how the lord helps you and, and i know my wife and i both have done that um and we're, we're you know, trying to model that to our children, certainly, because we're sinners, um, we do that imperfectly. So, Tony, how can uh, parents seek to encourage their kids in their struggles against sin, even while you, you have to correct and you have to discipline, but um, while you talked about not exasperate, anything else you want to say about, about how to encourage them in the midst of that?
0: Yeah, so this is one area that I've failed many times in. And I think we teach them a grace that is greater than all our sins, the, quote, the old hymn. Uh, we should teach our kids far more about grace than about sin, because grace is far more powerful than sin. Uh, and it, it is far more amazing than the power of their sin. Grace is better. Grace is greater than sin. Uh, And so we do teach about sin, but we also overwhelm them with the extent to which God offers grace to even the very worst rebels. Uh, I I think a, um, uh, I don't remember who it was, but I was reading a parenting book, a biblical parenting book, and it mentions a friend of the writer uh, who had a, Uh, An incident where one of his child had sinned in a way that they just did over and over and over again and uh, The punishment that they were giving their child uh, Was that when they went to the mall or something like that uh, that he would have to stay in the car uh, With one of the parents for a while while the rest of the kids got to have fun and go do what they wanted to do and uh, that parent decided that uh, told the child, you know, I'm going to be your substitute uh, because Jesus is our substitute in our sin and I that I love you. And so today I'm going to sit in the car for your punishment, take your uh, time out for you. And I think not saying that we should always do that, but that was a really cool example. Hmm. you
2: yeah,
0: have heard of similar things. I think it can be a powerful illustration to them of god's grace yeah uh, so i do think of a book that is just so helpful on that is instructing a child's heart uh by uh, ted Tripp. i brought that up before but i think it's a really helpful Mm -hmm. book uh for parents and teaching your children and as well as uh uh, his brother paul peltripp's book and book parenting i think it's just called parenting uh and uh, i think it's really helpful and it actually does talk a lot about Uh, that exact topic i I do think i mean that that theology book uh cd is really good as well as another one uh that called walking with the wise which is kind of a study of Mm. proverbs for children i think can be another really helpful great resource for that
2: yeah walking with the wise is very good um we've our kids have have liked that and um, I have not read the instructing the heart. I know you, you brought it up before and I thought I had it. and I started we, uh, looking at my shelves and like Hi, what I don't know what happened I thought I had it, but apparently not uh, but the other one parenting is a very good Look, And it's a very uh, – I think it's very accessible for parents of young kids or of older kids um, in dealing with issues like the blindness of our children um, and their, their foolishness and things like that. Those are other textures of sin that, that Scripture adds. And so it's a an encouraging book, gives grace, while at the same time helping to deal with some of those hard issues, both in us and in our kids. So um, you definitely want to check that out. All right. Well, Tony, thanks for thinking about this with me. Um, Sin is such a pervasive thing. And we just, like you said at the beginning, we don't want to think we're as bad as we are. But in order to uh, experience the life that God wants us to have, we have to take our sin seriously, uh, because Jesus came to rescue us from sin and to destroy the works of the devil. So um, I think this was helpful. Um, If you want to email us at Uh, thetfmpodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you um, questions or ideas for
1: future episodes Um, so thank you for listening
0: thank you
1: thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast if you have enjoyed this episode please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media all new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube Spreaker and iTunes We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.